good evening. Good to see you who are with us online, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Be sure to retweet us there on Twitter. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Click the notification bell and follow us there on Facebook. Give us a thumbs up. That just helps to get the word out even more. If you'll comment, that even helps to get our our services out even more. Every one of those things that you do uh, just elevates it even more on each one of those platforms. So be sure to do that, whichever platform that you're watching on. Uh, we want to welcome you there as well as our phone live streaming. Glad to have those of you uh, who are with us there also listening by phone. Uh, if you need that phone number, please call the church office or you can see me in person after the service. I have it on the back of this card here for you. Uh, you can also go to the church website if you have access to it there. Uh, go to highlandbaptistchurch.com under the info tab that you can download the worship bulletin uh, as well as uh, the children's worship bulletins so be sure to get those downloaded uh, and then the prayer list is under that same uh, info tab it, you'll have to go all the way down to the very bottom and it's just three uh, or four small links that are down at the very bottom until we get things fixed uh, on that part on the website so uh, be sure to scroll all the way down there and you can download uh, those uh, different things uh, while you're on the church website you can also do your online giving Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Uh, you can do your own, set up your online giving as a recurring gift, a one-time gift, however you want to do that. Uh, we have offering envelopes in the windowsills. The pink ones are for the golden offering for Tennessee Mission, so be sure to be praying about giving to that as our goal is 5000 uh, for that, so I want to encourage you with that. And then also don't forget that we still have our uh, survey sheets from the personnel team. Uh, they want to ask you to encourage you to get those back to them as soon as you can, uh, and they'll be uh, tabulating those uh, in the next week here. So. I uh, just want to remind you of that. And I think that's pretty much it. If you need the bulletins, uh, the children's worship bulletins over here in the window, the others are in the window sills both ways as well as at the doors. So, Brother Mike. Take your hymnals and turn to 448, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. All three, Tommy. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk Excuse me. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Through this world of toil and snares, if I falter, Lord, who cares? Who will be my burden share? None but thee, dear Lord, none but thee. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. When my feeble life is old, time for me will be no more. Guide me gently, safely, oh, 
thy kingdom sure to thy shore as the closer walk with thee granted jesus is my plea daily walking close to that so <laughs> play play us one time through that way yes we I like that <laughs> For those of you wondering, those notes aren't in the songbook. <laughs> so that's the old way we used to play those songs. And uh, I like to hear those every once in a while uh, when we get those. So uh, take your Bibles tonight. We're going to begin a new study uh, here tonight uh, in the book of Genesis. We're not going to go through every chapter, but we're going to be covering a lot of the chapters uh, in the book of Genesis. And so uh, as I've gone back through looking at things that maybe I haven't preached about or chapters that I haven't preached through, uh, that's what we're going to be kind of looking at. And there's a lot of chapters in the book of Genesis uh, that I've not preached through. The first four chapters I have preached through. So I'd encourage you to go back and, and uh, search those out on our YouTube page or Facebook page. And you can find those uh, from previous uh, services there. But uh, as we come to Genesis chapter 5 is where we're going to be tonight. I've entitled uh, this message, Here Today, Gone Tomorrow. And all this whole series we're going to be looking at in the book of Genesis is going to take us a while to get through a lot of these things, is just helping us to understand uh, Genesis uh, even better. So we're going to be looking at verse 21 down through verse 24 in Genesis chapter 5. So let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word tonight, and I pray that as we look at this passage, uh, not even just these few verses, but the whole here of chapter 5, that you'll help us to get a, a larger, deeper understanding about the book of Genesis and its application to our lives and where we are today. So, Lord, as we go back to the very beginning uh, here, uh, just past the creation and, and coming up to the time of the flood, Father, I pray that you will speak your truth into our hearts, lead us and guide us to a closer walk with you, and may we find the application for our lives uh, that will show us the relevancy for these passages, even for us today. So bless your word, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you be seated. Now somebody has called this fifth chapter of Genesis a desert of death. And you can almost see the caskets and the graves, and, and you can almost hear the widows weeping in the background. You can almost smell the, the stench of death, if you will, that arises from this whole chapter in chapter 5. Because over and over and over, here are the words we read, and he died, over and over. We see it in uh, verse 5, it ends, and he died. Verse 8, and he died. Verse 11, and he died. Verse 14, and he died. Verse 17, and he died. Verse 20, and he died. And yet right in the middle of this desert of death, if you will, stands this, this flower, if you will, this lily of the valley here uh, called Enoch. Interestingly, very little is said in the Old Testament here about Enoch. In fact, more is said about Enoch in the New Testament than is said in the Old Testament. There's 51 words in the Old Testament that tell us about Enoch, but in the New Testament, there's 94. That's a huge difference. And we're told some things about Enoch in the New Testament that we're not told about Enoch in the Old Testament. Now, Enoch only had one claim to fame, if you will. He never parted the Red Sea like Moses, never did any great miracles that we know of. Uh, he never killed some giant like David did. He never wrestled with an angel uh, like Jacob did. He was never swallowed by a great fish like Jonah uh, was. He never walked on the water like Jesus. He didn't even write so much as a, a verse in the Bible that we know of. The only thing that we're told of substance about this man is what we read in verse 24. Enoch walked with God. Four words. But they put, those four words put Enoch in the great hall of faith and the great hall of fame that we see over in the book of Hebrews. So understand this, the real measure of a person isn't how much is said about that person, but what's said about that person. A lot can be said about a person in just a few words. For example, we're told about David, and what do we know about David? What's the, the phrase that we always talk about David? He was a man after God's own heart. Uh, we're told about Abraham, that he was a friend of God. Uh, we're told about Elijah, that he was a man of God. But there's, a greater there's not a greater testimony in all of the Bible than a human being, uh, for a human being than this one given to Enoch where it says he walked with God. 
So when we study this incredible man here uh, who, who was one of only two man, men ever to live but never to die, the other being Elijah, he teaches us some great truths about our life here on this earth and the life to come. So here are three things I want you to see from Enoch from these uh, verses that we've just read as well as the rest of uh, this particular part of this chapter. First of all, we can enjoy intimate fellowship with God. We can enjoy intimate fellowship with God. Very simply, notice what we're told in verse 22. It begins, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Now, anybody can walk with God, but not everybody does. In fact, most people don't. Did you know that you can literally uh, walk with God? There was a missionary uh, in India who had led several people in his village uh, to faith in Jesus Christ. And one of the new Christians walked up to him one day and said, I watch you very closely and I see how you walk with God and how you talk to God. And he said, I want to ask you a question. Does God have favorites? And that missionary, he gave a very wise answer. He said, God doesn't have favorites, but God does have intimates. What do we mean that by that? Let me ask you a personal question. Would you say that you as a believer enjoy an intimate fellowship with the God, the creator of this earth? Now, you can tell right now just how much of God you have in your life at this very moment. I can tell you how much of God you have in your life at this very moment. You have all of God that you want. Did you hear that? You have all of God that you want. If you want all of God, you can have more of God. If you feel like you don't have much of God, you can have more of God. In fact, what we find here is something else. You'll find that as much of God as you seek, God himself said this in Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So let me just give you fair warning. If you're going to have a walk with God, if you're going to have an intimate fellowship with God that, like Enoch did, you're going to have to take the time to do it. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some commitment on your part. It doesn't just happen overnight. Poof, I have the same relationship that Enoch has. You can, but it takes some effort from your part. So if you're not walking with God, understand this. If you're not walking with God, where are you walking? You're walking away from God. Even if you're standing still, you're not going with God. So you're not with him. You don't need to spend time with God because God needs to get to know you. God already knows you. He, he already knows you inside and out. He knows you upside down and backwards and frontwards and north and south. The reason why we need to spend time with God is so that we can get to know him. Because the better you know God the more that you'll be like God and understand God and have of God. That's why it's so crucial that every Christian takes that time every day to have what we call so often a quiet time, to make sure, whether it's a quiet time or not, as long as you're spending time with the Lord every day, spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer. Notice here also that Enoch walked with God. 
Enoch did. God didn't walk with Enoch. The passage doesn't say it that way. It says that Enoch walked with God. God wasn't going Enoch's way. Enoch was going God's way. So if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to go in his direction. He doesn't say, well, Jim, I'll go whatever way you want to go. We'll just let you make all the decisions and you choose the way you want to go. Doesn't happen like that. Doesn't happen like that at home. <laughs> Doesn't happen like that with the Lord. If you're going to walk with the Lord, you're going to go where he wants you to go. You're going to do what he wants you to do. He is, so notice here, if you're, not going, if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to go in his direction. He won't go in yours. In order to walk with God, you've got to be committed to doing the will of God. God never walks in our direction. We have to walk in his direction. Notice also, as we said, he walked with God. That means he didn't walk ahead of God. Sometimes that's where we want to do. We want to get ahead of God. We want to get out in front of God. We're ready. We're gung-ho. Let's go. Let's do it, whatever. And whoa, the Lord says, hold on a second. I'm not ready yet. I got some things out here I'm working to bring about my will here. You may not see all that, but you follow me one step at a time, one day at a time. So we, Enoch walked with God, not ahead of God. He also didn't walk behind God. He didn't stay lagging back here behind God. He's with God. You know, and, and so we're, we're so often prone to do one or the other. We either get out way ahead of God or we're lagging back here and we're never staying with God. He just walked with God. That's what Enoch did. Now, I don't know all that that means, but you have to admit that it's an exciting thought to think that we can walk with God, the creator of this universe who created everything that you see around you, and yet he wants to walk and talk with you. We can have that intimate relationship with him. Here's the second point. We can exercise intense faith with God. We can exercise intense faith with God. Take your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Keep your finger there in Genesis. We'll come right back to that in just a moment. But if you will turn over to Hebrews, Hebrews in chapter 5, or 11 and verse 5, Hebrews 11 verse 5, you know what Hebrews 11 is, it's the great uh, hall of faith, if you will, it's the great testimony of, of this person by faith trusted God, this person by faith followed God. You come to verse 5 in Hebrews chapter 11, and in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5, it's the New Testament commentary on the Old Testament character of Enoch. And so here's what we read about Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Wow. Above everything else, Enoch was a man of faith. That's why he could leave behind as his testimony that he was commended as having pleased God. What was it about Enoch's faith that pleased God? Uh, as we've already said here, he obeyed the will of God. 
So if you want to please God, Adrian Rogers once said this. He said, if you please God, it doesn't matter who you don't please. But if you don't please God, it doesn't matter who you do please. So if you want to please God, you'll believe God. And if you believe God, you'll obey God. Nothing else pleases God like faith. And faith is just simply trusting in him, obeying him. And, that fa and the faith that pleases God obeys God. Well, that's why Enoch pleased God. If God said jump, Enoch said how high. If God said speak, Enoch said how loud. If God said give, Enoch said how much. If God said go, Enoch said how quickly. You know, that's exactly what James meant when he said faith without works is dead because real faith works. Real faith exercises obedience to the Lord. You know, real faith isn't something uh, that, that somebody says that they have. Real faith is something that somebody shows that they have. They demonstrate it in their lives. Real faith doesn't say, I believe people ought to hear about Jesus. Real faith tells people about Jesus. Real faith doesn't say, I believe in giving. Real faith gives. Real faith doesn't just say, I believe the Bible. Real faith actually gets into the Bible and studies the Bible. Real faith doesn't just say, I believe in the church. Real faith gets in, goes to the church and serves, and the church gets involved, and the church supports the church. And so real faith is always exercised faith, demonstrated faith. And so Enoch not only obeyed the will of God, he believed the word of God. So go back now to Genesis, to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. So we find out that Enoch not only obeyed the will of God, he believed the word of God. It says that when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of his days were 365. So he was faithful in serving the Lord. Now it, it seems like an innocuous verse that doesn't say much there in verse 21, but it speaks volumes. It tells us this, that wrapped up in the name of Methuselah is a fascinating story there. In the Bible, names uh, are far more important than they are today. We don't really give a whole lot of thought to names uh, most of the time today, although sometimes uh, we should. Uh, I heard a story about a robber who broke into the house thinking no one was home, only to find that the, the frightened owners were at home in bed watching TV. He pointed the gun at the woman and said, what's your name? And she said, Elizabeth. And he said, Gosh, today's your lucky day. I can't shoot any, anybody named Elizabeth because that was my mother's name. He turned to the husband and he said, what's your name? And the man said, well, my name is Harry, but everybody calls me Elizabeth. <laughs> In the Bible, names were very special and very important because they always carried with it a, a very special meaning. And, and behind the name Methuselah was a very special meaning that shows us just how strong Enoch's faith was. So in verse 21, it just says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. So the name Methuselah means when he is dead, it will come. What's your question? What's it? 
What's going to come? What's going to come when he is dead? When he is dead, it will come or it will be sent. What is it? Well, this was a prophecy about the coming flood that's going to happen with Noah. And so there was a prophecy there about the flood coming to the earth. So from the very moment that Methuselah was born, Enoch knew that God's judgment was on its way. It said so in the name Methuselah. In fact, Enoch knew that as long as Methuselah was alive, the judgment of God wouldn't occur. Everything was good. Everybody was safe. Judgment wouldn't come as long as Methuselah is alive. And that's exactly what happened. The moment Methuselah died, God sent the flood on the earth. Now, how do we know that? Well, this is fascinating, so stay with me for just a moment. In Genesis 5, verse 25, we're told at the age of 187, Methuselah became the father of Lamech. You see that in verse 25? When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. So he's 182 years, uh, it says there in, in this verse, uh, when he became the father of Lamech. We're told in verse 28 and verse 29 that when Lamech was 182, he became the father of Noah. When you add 187 and 182, math whiz, 369. So, Methuselah was 369 years old when his grandson Noah was born. When did the flood come? Well, you go over to Genesis chapter 7 and verse 11, and it tells us that the flood came in the 600th year of Noah's life. When you add 600 to 369, what do you get? 969, which is exactly how many years Methuselah lived according to Genesis 5 and verse 27. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. So the very moment that Methuselah draws his last breath, God shuts the door of the ark of Noah and sends the flood. Methuselah the whole time he's living is like God's ticking time bomb of judgment. You know, many of us, when we were younger, uh, we would do Bible drills and we learned in, in, in Sunday school. Uh, one of the Bible trivia facts that many kids learned in church, especially even when I was growing up, uh, was that the oldest man who ever lived was Methuselah. He lived 969 years. It's not a coincidence that Methuselah was given the privilege of being the oldest man who ever lived. You know why he lived longer than anybody else? Because he was a living picture illustrating how patient and long-suffering God is. Think about it. God gave the world almost 1,000 years to repent and get right with him. And nobody but Noah and his family were spared in the flood. So often, we have to admit 
that we wonder why. Why doesn't God just go ahead and come back? Why doesn't he return yet and set this world straight? Why does God put up with all this sin and, and all the immorality and all the wickedness and all the rebellion around us that we see in our world today? It's not because God is asleep or that God has somehow forgotten. It's not because God is apathetic. It's, it's not because God doesn't hate sin. It's not because God isn't holy. It's because God is patient and desires everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, which is exactly what we're told in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So for a, almost a thousand years... He gives the whole world at that known time opportunity to repent. We wonder, after Jesus has ascended into the heavens, it's been almost 2,000 years ago, and we wonder why. Why doesn't he come yet? Why hasn't he come yet? Why hasn't he brought his judgment yet? He is not willing that any should perish. Enoch had an unbelievably intense faith in God and we can have that same kind of faith in God, that same kind of trust in God that he had the same way. Thirdly, here's the last point. We can experience an incredible future with God. So think about it. After 300 years of faithfully walking with God, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, Century after century, here's what we're simply told in verse 24. Now, verse 22 already told us he walked with God. Now we come to verse 24, and it says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Think about that. For 24-7, for 300 years, God and Enoch are walking together. And you can just in your mind's eye see that afternoon that they were walking and they were talking as always. And, and Enoch looks to God and says, Lord, it's getting late. We better head back home. And you can just hear God saying to Enoch, well, Enoch, we're closer to my house than we are to yours. How about we go on to my home? And he takes Enoch on home to be with him immediately to heaven. What's the lesson? I think it's incredible to see how Enoch was taken. He was taken, if you will, like in a rapture. He was just taken up, which is what one day is going to happen to, to every Christian when Jesus comes back to this planet. The, the, the big deal about Enoch wasn't how he was taken, though. It's where he went when he was taken. Where did he go when he was taken? He went to be with the Lord. And so I want to tell you today that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter whether you go uh, through the grave or you go up through the clouds. Either way, whether you die before Jesus returns or Jesus returns before you die, God is going to take you to be with him. Same thing that happened to Enoch. There's a story about a man that moved into a neighborhood and he happened to be talking to his next door neighbor for the first time and they were just getting to know each other. And the man said, you know, I've been married four times. And his friend was shocked. He said, what happened? He said, well, I was married 15 years to my first wife and the, and the Lord took her home. 
I was married to my second wife for 10 years, and the Lord took her home. I was married to the third wife for nine years, and the Lord took her home. And he paused, and he said, I've been married seven years to my fourth wife, and the Lord, if the Lord wants her, he can come and take her home too. <laughs> One of these days, when the Lord wants you, he's going to take you, either in death or with the trumpet sounding. What an awesome thought to comprehend just barely in our minds. He's going to take you home. Maybe it's going to be like Enoch and Elijah who are taken up through the clouds. Maybe it's going to be like Jesus dying on a cross. Maybe it's going to be like Paul who was beheaded for his faith. But either way, if you walk with God, when you die, you're going to walk to God. Let me tell you a true story about a little boy named John Todd. He was born over 200 years ago in Rutland, Vermont. Shortly after his birth, his family moved to a little village called Killingsworth. When he was six years old, both of his parents died, and the children in the home had to be dispersed out amongst the relatives. And a kind-hearted aunt who lived in North Killingsworth agreed to take John and to give him a home. He lived with her until 15 years later when he went away to study for the gospel ministry. When he was middle-aged, his aunt became desperately ill, and she realized that she was dying, and she was in great distress, and so she wrote her nephew, this nephew of hers, a very sad letter asking questions like, what will death be like? Will it mean the end of everything? Beyond death, Will there be any chance to continue living, any chance to continue growing, any chance to continue loving? Can you give me any comfort? Here's the letter her minister nephew, John Todd, wrote. He said, Dear Aunt, it's now 35 years since I, a little boy of six, was left quite alone in the world. You sent me word that you would give me a home and be a kind mother to me. He said, I've never forgotten the day when I made the long journey of 10 miles to your house in North Killingsworth. I can still recall my disappointment when instead of coming for me yourself, you sent a man named Caesar to come for me. I'll remember my tears and my anxiety in getting on that horse and clinging tight to Caesar. I rode off to my new home. Night fell before we finished the journey, and as it grew dark, I became lonely and afraid. I said to this man, do you think my aunt will go to bed before I get there. He said, oh, no. He said, she'll stay up for you. When we get out of these woods, he said, you're going to see a candle shining in the window of her house. He said, soon we rode out into a clearing, and there was your candle sitting in the window. I remember you were waiting at the door. He said, you put your arms around me, and you lifted me from, down from that horse. You had a big fire burning in the hearth and a hot supper waiting on the stove. After supper, you took me to my new room. You heard me say my prayers, and you sat beside me until I fell asleep. Now, you probably realize, he said, why I'm recalling all of this to your memory. He said, someday soon... My dear aunt, God will send for you to take you to a new home. He said, don't fear the call. Don't fear the journey. Don't even fear the dark messenger of death. God can be trusted, he said, to do as much for you as you were kind enough to do for me so many years ago. At the end of life's road, you'll find love and a welcome waiting, and you'll be safe in God's care. He said, I shall watch you and pray for you until you're out of sight 
and then wait for the day when I shall make the same journey myself and find you waiting at the end of the road to greet me. If we walk with God on this earth, that is what we will have waiting for us at the end of our journey, is a loving God who will take us home to be with him. And we'll be here today and gone tomorrow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that in the midst of all of the death we see in Genesis 5, we've read about one who walked with you. He wasn't some super saint. He wasn't somebody who had some super special abilities that we don't have. He was just a common, ordinary person like we are. And we can walk with you just like he did. So, Father, I pray tonight that if there are those who have heard this message, I pray they've heard that you love them and that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for their sins, to be buried in the tomb and arose from the grave on the third day. So, Father, I pray that they would call out to you and trust in Jesus, receive that free gift of salvation. And Father, I pray that you will help them to walk with you moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. And Father, I pray that you would be with those who already have that faith in Christ, who've already received that free gift of salvation. Lord, sometimes we get discouraged with life and we wonder, when is it ever gonna end? When is all the, the turmoil and the sin and all of its effects going to be finally uh, justified and, and taken care of and uh, father that your 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 holiness is going to come and and meet out your judgment upon this world and yet lord just like us you waited on us and you loved us and you were patient with us when we struggled in our own hearts at times to trust in jesus and Father, you are not willing that any of this world should perish. That is why you are waiting. But there will come a day, a day that's already been marked, when we know the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive will, will be joining them in the air. Father, even if that doesn't happen in my lifetime, we know death will come. And Lord, for us as a believer, death is just walking through the door into your home, just like Enoch, just like Elijah. So help us, Lord, to not fear death. Help us, Lord, to be faithful till that day comes. And Father, knowing that it could come at any moment, let us live our lives with a sense of urgency, making the greatest impact that we can for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand and sing our hymn of invitation number 287, maybe the Lord's laid on your heart. If you would, in this invitation, come as the Lord laid on your heart to come. As we stand, as we sing, take my life, leave me, Lord.
Take my life, sweet Lord. Take my life, sweet me, Lord. Make my life useful to Take my life, lead me, Lord. Take my life, lead me, Lord. Make my life useful to Thee. Take my life, teach me, Lord. Take my life, teach me, Lord. Make my life useful to Take my life, teach me, Lord. Take my life, teach me, Lord. Make my life useful to Thee. Here am I, send me, Lord. Here am I, send me, Lord. Make my life useful to Thee. Our lives useful to thee, O Lord. We want to thank you so much for being here with us tonight online uh, and on our phone live streaming. We'll be back Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. We're still uh, in the Old Testament there, still going through the Minor Prophets. So come and join us at that time if you can in person, uh, but especially online. And don't forget, this is our second week uh, of Awana. Be praying for our Awana kids. Be praying for all of the workers and teachers throughout this week. Uh, we had a great start, about 35 kids to start with. And that's just awesome to start with that many. Who knows where the Lord's taking this thing by the end of the year. So we, sorry, Miss Linda. <laughs> I saw her look back there. But we, we are just so excited for what God is doing. And so just pray that if we need more workers, God will send more workers to help us to do that. But you have a blessed week. We'll see you this Wednesday. Stay safe.